Father, as we just reflect briefly on your word and we carry with us that the story of, of the old Cox and wrestle with the business of prayer. Pray that you would be with us. Give us wisdom. Speak to each of us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. I, I want to just begin by talking very briefly, and it's a kind of follow-on and um, uh, reminder, really, of, of some of what Tom shared about the business of parables and what parables are and, and what, what they aren't. Um, and Tom, as he kicked us off thinking about parables through the month of August, talked about how they're, they're a way of telling stories that challenge us, that help us to enter into a situation and see it afresh. They're not like kind of allegories. They're not sort of picture stories where we map onto everything literally, but they're a way of helping us to see something anew and often by exaggeration and humour. And this is one of those stories. And I'll hopefully just pick out a few things um, and, and just offer a couple of insights from those that know some of the cultural and historical kind of situation a bit better to help us understand how this would have hit the audience. Because one thing is we, as we grapple with parables that we need to realise is that Jesus is playing with an art form. He's playing with stories that would have amused, outraged, um, scandalised, provoked. And we've got in this tiny story the epitome of, of, of all of that. So, a widow and an unjust ruler. Let's just unpack those two characters first of all, because like all the other parables that Jesus shares, whether they're about shepherds and farming and laborers and religious leaders. These are things that would have been known, that would have thrown up images and associations to all those that heard the story. And the widow, first century Palestine, in the culture of the Middle East then, the widow was the epitome of the most vulnerable adult in society. We see that through scripture in the Old Testament. The call for justice on the people of Israel is often in reference to how do you treat the widow? Because the widow is someone who had no one to speak up for her. Traditionally, um, a, a widow would need an advocate, need someone to enter into the courts to speak to a judge directly. So this is someone who has no one to help her no family, and is completely at a loss and isolated. And then we've got this judge who, and I don't know if you picked this up in the reading, two things that really play against the widow, who's already helpless. The judge is someone who doesn't care about God, and doesn't care about the opinion of people. It's a triple whammy. This is a hopeless situation. And what Jesus is doing is cranking up this story to highlight something about prayer. And we get the clue. Not every parable um, comes with a, a kind of clue and a, milli, a, a mini explanation 
from the gospel writer, but we get it here. So this is about persistence in prayer. That's already a given in, in the biblical context here. But the judge does not care about human opinion, doesn't care about God, and therefore he will just ignore the judge. Now, the lovely thing is, and this is where you got to see the humor, you got to see how Jesus is prodding the audience, bringing them into a story that they'll recognize, they'll see vividly, and using exaggeration and humor to get his point home. Now, you know, in the NIV version, I think that we heard, it says here, after the widow keeps bugging the judge day and night, oh, okay, I'll listen to her, to her unless she wears me out. Now, the boffins that will tell you the original Greek will tell you that actually what the words say there comes from boxing, from fighting. And literally, and there's one translation that I've got of the New Testament that says, okay, I will relent unless she gives me a black eye. And you can imagine the audience laughing. Here's this helpless widow, day and night, she's God-bothering this, this judge. He doesn't care about human opinion, doesn't care about God. And she might even punch him. And you can imagine them laughing. Now, just another little cultural insight. I was reading um, a very well-known scholar of the New Testament who lived in the Middle East for many years. And he lived in Lebanon. We think of what's happening in Lebanon at the moment. And he lived there during the Civil War in the 80s. And he described seeing widows who would shout and scream and raise their fists at local warlords in the neighborhood when Beirut was under siege. And he said, if I'd have done that, if any local Lebanese man had have done that, they'd have been shot immediately. But the honor code of society meant that a widow in black, and there are some famous um, photographs from the 80s in Lebanon with images of this, of widows whose children are being killed, shouting and screaming and punching at the warlords in Beirut because the honor code respected, well, we can't do anything about that. And so Jesus speaking to the situation, something that they would recognize. And the point is not that, not that God is someone that doesn't care, that's an unjust judge. But actually, and many of the parables, parables do this, Jesus takes from the small situation and makes it bigger. And basically, Jesus is saying, look, here's a story. I'm going to make you laugh here. But God loves us so much. How much more would God listen to us in prayer? If here in this story, a careless, godless judge who hates people will relent with a persistent widow, how much more will God be with you, listen to you when you're persistent in prayer? Now let's leap back to the Exodus passage, which, which is a strange one. And the background to that is the story of the golden calf that we all know. And what, what has happened, the people of Israel have received the Ten Commandments and Moses coming down from the mountain 
has seen them because he's, he's not been there for, for a while, has seen them suddenly worship idols. And God says, I'm going to destroy them. We're going to start again. Moses, let's have a new people of Israel. Wipe the slate clean. And Moses almost argues with God. It's a remarkable story. Now, and this, this is something that I guess I need to com communicate here as we reflect on prayer. Prayer is a mystery, okay? There's no kind of simple sort of magic formula to what is going on in prayer. There's no way of really understanding what's going on at the heart of our Father God when we pray. Okay, so the idea that God may change his mind, I think that's beyond our understanding. I, I don't get that. But there is something of mystery here. And somehow the people of Israel were saved because Moses, what was he concerned about in that story? He was concerned about the reputation of God and the people of God. Unlike the unjust judge, who didn't care what people think, didn't care about God. Moses wanted God's glory, his reputation to be known, and he loved his people. And later on in that story, there's, even, there's a continuation of, of the little discourse of the argument between Moses and God. And God says, well, you know, maybe I, I, I will let the people of Israel off, but I won't be with them. My presence won't be with them. And Moses says, no, 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 no. I'm not going anywhere. And there's no point in going anywhere unless you're with us. And I think this is the essence of prayer that we see in this amazing story in Exodus and that we see in the parable. Because prayer is a mystery. But somehow what we need to grasp a hold of is that God wants to be with us. And whether we get the right answers, whether, and think of all the things that I'm sure we are praying for and continue to pray each day, for a vaccine, for healing, for healing in my back of sciatica, for healing of relationships, for a future and a hope in our nation, which seems a bit despairing at the moment, bring all these prayers and sometimes we don't see the answers but God calls us to stay with him in prayer and somehow his presence if our heart is for him and his people then he's delighted and stuff can happen it might not be the stuff that we want but we change when we stay with God in prayer. And I'll be honest, sometimes when I approach prayer, I get it wrong. I come at it with, well, I think there are two misunderstandings that we can often pick up. And, and you know, I've been there. Sometimes we see prayer like witch, witchcraft. Say the right formula, do the right thing, and then God will respond. Or it's a bit like paganism. Well, if God answers our prayer, then clearly we're blessed. 
And if he's not answering our prayer, then clearly we're wrong. Neither of those things are biblical patterns of prayer. In the story, and this is why Jesus uses parables, I think, because oftentimes, and this is when we engage with God, stuff is mysterious. He says, stick with me. Persist. Be present. And part of that presence, like we heard from the Olcocks uh, just earlier, is to bring all our experiences before God. Say, this is me. These are my struggles. These are my hopes. Lord God, come. Make a difference. And that difference sometimes is not the difference we expect. Sometimes not even what we want. But Jesus says in this parable, stick with me. Stay with me. And that's why ultimately that prayer leads to the cross. That's where it leads the journey with his disciples and some depart. But they're forgiven. And when we fail, when we lose hope, Jesus picks us up. Prayer is a real mystery. There's a, a challenge right at the end of the text that we heard. Will the Son of Man, will Jesus find faith on earth? And it's a kind of wistful hope that recognises, well, actually, it'll be a rare thing. It's pretty sobering. It's not about magic formula. It's not about us being good enough, finding the right words. It's about saying, I'm sticking with God. This is where my hope is. Through suffering, through good times, seeing hope and healing, but also when we don't, say, Lord, come. Like the widow, like Jacob wrestling with that mysterious angel. Hold me. Give me your blessing, Lord. I'm not disappearing. That's the punch of this parable. Let's pray. Loving God, give us all strength to be persistent in prayer. Keep us hopeful and may we not let go of your presence. Like the woman who came to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, even if it's a tiny bit of you, tiny bit of faith, keep us holding on to you. In Jesus' name, amen.